Hello, and welcome to the Sunshine Sound Podcast with your host, Christine Mathias. It's, it's uh, because because the, the labels are, are gone, you know, there's, there's not a lot of labels, it's the Wild West out there, and like, every, every artist has a shot, so I think San Diego Rap is super, super open, collaborating, the creative energy is real strong. It's one of the best seasons I've, I've seen in a long time for the, the music. And welcome to episode number 12 of the Sunshine Sound podcast. In this one, I interviewed Parker Edison and Nate Hubbard. They are two thirds of the San Diego band, the Parker Meridian. So they are a live hip hop band. So that means they have a real drummer and a real bass player. And sometimes they uh, play with other live instruments during their uh, performances. But they also even some samples uh, like you might expect from uh, other hip hop acts. So the results is kind of beyond a particular genre, and we'll talk about the issues with with having to put genres on your music, and you'll kind of have to come to your own conclusions about uh, how you want to label their music after you hear it. But there's definitely elements of funk and trap and psychedelic and even experimental music. It's very cool stuff. Uh, So in this interview, we'll chat about things like what it was like to compose and rearrange those tracks. So they definitely do a lot of rearranging of of their music, adding in new instrumentation, taking out instrumentation. So it's like every time you see this band live, it might sound a little bit different. And we'll talk about other things like the San Diego hip hop scene, how collaborative and creative it really is right now. And, uh, of course, we'll talk about tambourines and their stance on that issue. And we'll have a chance to listen to a few tracks off of their album, Fists Like Gotti. So this is a pretty fun one, and I hope you enjoy. So today in the studio, I have Parker Edison and Nate Hubbard of Parker Meridian. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Sure. How you guys doing? Thanks. Good. Yeah. 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 So, so tell me about Parker Meridian. Like, what? Um, how do you describe this project? Uh, <laughs> I like. We had. There's a word for it. Right now, I like. Let's call it. A, let's call it art rap. Right mm-hmm. now, let's call it art rap. Cool. Yeah, it's in that kind of like weird space between live band and hip hop. Like, normally when you see a hip-hop performance, it's like DJ, MC. And then and then also when you see a live band, there's a, sort of a different expectation. So we're kind of kind of in the middle of that. Yeah, so what, what does your setup look like? Uh, it, it's three, usually. So uh, Nate's doing percussions, drum, and... Uh, uh John Reeder is doing our bass. Uh-huh. And then sometimes we have Sharon Taylor. Recently we just got her in there. She's doing cello. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And then uh Nate's cueing backing samples. And so uh it's real small, but it sounds real big. Well, so you're doing percussion and doing the samples? Yeah, so I'm playing drum kit. So it looks like a band. There's an electric okay. bass player and there's a drum kit and, and we get kind of loud and noisy and stuff. 
we've been doing a few things recently where we're doing all acoustic where I'm playing like hand drums that's with Sharon so she's playing cello so it's kind of more of like a like the 90s unplugged vibe or something <laughs> <laughs> very cool so how do you like how do you switch back and forth on different songs doing like samples and drum kit or like what no there's like? samples on every song okay the idea so how do you do all that <laughs> uh just with a you know with phone right now I'm using a phone to trigger some of the samples cool so uh the idea was just to keep it as small as possible because I run a lot of bands that have like I have a band that has over 20 people in it Whoa, and it's impossible what? it's impossible <laughs> to get people together right yeah. so keeping it as small as possible so I mean in a perfect world we would have like two key or a keyboard player and one person just doing like um, sound samples like triggering samples and then we would have probably three background vocals and maybe a brass section you know like yeah, yeah. In, in the perfect world but that's just not going to happen so it, to keep it <laughs> so for us right now the idea was just to keep it as small as possible so i kind of function as like drummer and a dj not in the sense of like scratching but in the sense of like setting up the tunes having the samples ready um uh, setting the pace of the show and things like that sure gotcha and then so how does the songwriting process work then <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's weird. Is it? It's very strangely, but very organically, where uh, whoever has an idea, usually Nate has an idea, and he'll pitch something that's very raw, and I do the same, and sometimes it's uh, it's it's as raw as not even having words, or it's not a, a complete instrumental, or it's, it's just super raw, and you pitch that enough so it's an idea you can communicate, and it just kind of snowballs, and then each of us, John Reader, adds his bass to it, and snowballs so it's very collaborative it sounds like yeah i think we've all been trying to keep it open enough to just bring enough of something to get it started and then mm-hmm. start sort of like a, a conversation about what it could be i drive around a lot like um i do a lot of theater shows and a lot of shows where i'm out late at night so i always end up like humming to myself i have like on my phone i just have a <laughs> bunch of like <laughs> stupid demos like right <laughs> you know and like some hook comes to me or something so i you know that often that'll do i'll just do like a rough little demo with a beat and like a hook or a beat and something just kind of like a vibe to start off with it's like we could maybe start here and then it usually develops gotcha it, yeah you don't often hear about music starting with the drummer so that's that's interesting yeah well i i have a sort of a history of being a composer i'm i in this situation i'm not I'm trying to not do the thing where I'd like, here's my completely finished song. Let's try this. Cause like, you know, like this started where, where Parker asked me to, um, do some arrangements of some pieces that he had already done. So it was already like, he's like, well, here's this, but change it and do something different with it. So that was kind of the starting point. And then, so from that, there's been like sort of a give and take. I don't like that. That's okay, let's go in that direction. Now let's share why from that, or like, yeah, let's go further with that. So that's kind of the, like the, 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 it started from the, like the ground zero as sort of a give and take. Gotcha. Yeah. And so was it like kind of the two of you that started then? Yeah. And, then you added Harley Magsino on bass. Yeah, we've used a couple different first. bass players. John Reeder is yeah. the one that's kind of stuck the longest. Um, but the idea from the beginning was um, 
I think I think there was talk in the early on, like maybe instead of a bass player, a keyboard player, like drums, keyboard, and and MC. But it, like I think the original idea was to keep it very small, just a trio, sure. and start from there. And so. did you want it to do kind of this? Because it's kind of like an experimental kind of arty sound. <laughs> I would say, like, was that the plan from the beginning? I don't think so. I wanted, mm. I wanted, and I, I'd love to hear what Nate says separately. <laughs> but um, I wanted it to be a rap record that was translated through live instrumentation because it, it started off as these boom bap sounds that are synthetic, so it's that raw jaggedness. And then Nate was doing these rearrangements, and those compositions were keeping the same aesthetic. That's still so that that to me is what it is. I'm not sure what. Uh, what yeah, you I don't. Calling. I mean. I think we're both known as being a little wacky, <laughs> uh, like respectively in, in whatever world we were living in. But I, I mean, when it, when it started, it was, you know, the, in general, it was just thought of as a rap. It's going to be a rap project. Clearly, like I was saying, the difference between having a, a DJ playing beats and having a drummer and having a live band changes things. Because with hip hop, people are used to hearing, um, you know, the quantized beats and hearing the right. same sample. So you hear every time the kick drum sounds, it's the exact same sound. And as a human being, you every time you hit a drum, it's going to sound maybe not completely different, but it's going to sound just a little bit different. So it changes how people perceive that. You hear that that consistency of those samples, and it's a different thing. Like if you go um, to, like as a drummer, I notice this. You go to like a rock concert, and people like. They they perceive the rhythm differently than if you go to a hip hop mm, show. Yeah. There's a different thing, and there's there's something about the like you're saying the the jaggedness, the like. Mm. So there's sort of an un, uh, unrelentingness to like these samples just continuing on and never moving, and the time never fluctuates. You know, there's none of those human things. There's a little bit of like if you go back in the history of hip hop. You know, there's like the early um, Sugar Hill Gang that was all live instrumentation, Right. you know, all the way up to the roots. And there's different people that have had live bands. A lot of people are touring with live bands, whether it's the Jizza or Snoop or whatever. Tons of people are doing that because there is something more exciting when you have a bunch of people on stage and you yeah. can have a show rather than just watching a guy with a DJ, which can be yeah. fun, too. I mean, like Run the Jewels is still doing that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that have realized, like, oh, yeah, if we put a drummer in here and a couple mm -hmm, guitar players, mm -hmm. like, it's going to be more interesting. Yeah, so it's definitely. interesting, like, what our perception of it is. And then you talk to people and they're like, yeah, it's kind of like this and it's kind of like that. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Kind of right. Yeah. Sometimes you have to leave it up to, to the critics to kind of put a genre on your music. <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah. will. Like yeah. a different one. Mm. Yeah. And so when you're working, because you, if you're using samples and you're playing live drums, um, is it tricky to like to get that all timed up? Um, uh, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on, on, on the thing. I think we've tried to keep it pretty um, uh, fairly sparse. Okay, like it, gotcha. there's not like a... I mean, my favorite stuff is the Bomb Squad. That's sort of where that was sort of my intro to hip hop when I was like, you know, twelve or something. Was Public Enemy, <laughs> so that like super dense, like multiple layers of sound constantly happening and stuff. So I and and if you hear some of my other stuff, I do I do have huge bands with all these things. So I sort of gravitate towards these thicker textures. But we've been trying to like keep it much more sparse and not worry about like 
It doesn't have to have six things going on simultaneously right. at all times, right. you know? Yeah, right. gotcha. And how, so how, so go ahead, Parker. I was just saying, yeah, I was agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's slimming down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, so how, how did you two meet each other? We met, um, I think we met a few different times. The first time I, I moved to Arizona in 2011. Maybe. Wait. No, maybe I moved back in 2011. Anyway, so we moved. To, <laughs> my wife got a job out there. We moved out okay. there for a few years, and we. I came back, and um, one of the things I wanted to do was just work with people because I grew up here, and, and I had spent many years playing music with people, but there was a lot of people in town that I'd never gotten a chance to play with, and I moved back, and I said, well, I'm, I need to play with certain... There's Why haven't I played with this person or whatever, you know? So I started reaching out to people, and Jack was one of the people I reached out to. Um, I think we officially met on stage <laughs> at Seven Grand. I, I said, hey, I've got this gig. You know, I don't know what you're doing, but if, if you're interested, come down and sit in. And he literally, like, walked up out of the audience and, like, freestyled on a couple things. Oh, cool. So that was, like, yeah. a nice introduction. Yeah. yeah. And then nice. we shot a video after that, and then we did a show after that, and then it started rolling. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so was this, uh, started rolling on this project, or was this a different project? Did you work on different projects First before this one? Yeah, we, we had a, uh, I had a song called Ape Food that I did with Odessa Kane and Piff PCH. And we were going to shoot a video. I was checking out these live. I'd been brought to a live performance. Nate was doing these guerrilla performances at SDSU in the garages. And it was real guerrilla. They were almost like flash mobs. Like everyone would just know to show up. He would do these elaborate, like abstract drum presentations. Whoa. And then uh, it would just break down and kind of disperse like in an hour, an hour and a half. But there's no flyers or nothing. It was just, I thought that was real, real hip hop. Yeah, that's and, real cool. Yeah. So I was like, you yo. Came, you came to the one where people actually showed up too. <laughs> <laughs> the ones where there was nobody there. This one, this one was sick. Everyone was sitting and everyone's all intent. But so I was like, yo, can we do that for this song that I have? And we did it. We shot the video and it's called Ape Food. It's still online, YouTube. Nice. Uh, and then we started working on, uh, maybe we started doing the Parker Meridian EP and then we did tonight in San Diego yeah. and did a live performance and that got mm. a good reaction. And then we started doing live performances and those started having kind of a, a buzz of their own. Nice. And I think yeah. that's what we're doing now is more of the live performance, like 60% live performance and the CD just kind of documents what we're doing on stage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So how how do you go about generating buzz? Like what? How, like how, this is a question <laughs> that, that comes up. This is the universal question. Isn't it? Every podcast. <laughs> like nobody knows. I mean, for us, we we just literally Jack called me and said, "Hey, I've got this gig. Can we put together a little bit of music for this thing?" That's literally like he was saying. We had this tonight in San Diego gig. So that was literally the starting point was like, okay, well, we have a performance in a month and let's put this music together. And we figured out like, I think the f we did some way and a c we did one cover, one of the tunes from the thing. And I started throwing, pretty naturally, I started throwing hooks at him. So it was kind of organic. Yeah. And the same thing with the gigs. We just started doing gigs we did tonight in San Diego. And then we did, I forget I'd have to look at the thing, what the next thing was, but it just kind of naturally started rolling and people started asking us to do these different events. And yeah. from there, it just kind of built up. 
Nice. How, how did you get to Night in San Diego? Like, how did that come about? Uh, I'm part of the film consortium. I do the, the I was a music mm-hmm. conduit for the film consortium. Shout out Jody Silly. And uh, Fale, Louis, Fale Lewis is a part of that. And Fale, uh, I, f- I think he might have reached out. And I was on there before. I think I was on there before for something. And uh, it just worked out. It worked out and they gave us a shot. And uh, we just happened to have this project going. And so it worked. So you kind of got to like launch this project on that, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. We did oh, a little cool. like fake. I think the night before we did a little fake performance where we played through it. At the whistle stop. At was the whistle, whistle stop. Oh, yeah, cool. as part of the nice. film thing, we yeah. did like a little like, and here's a little bit of music for ten minutes. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, that was a nice starting point. Which was, and, and on a weird thing is, uh, tonight in San Diego at that time was gonna get picked up by like the CW. Oh. S- yeah, yeah. So they were shooting. These were basically like demos. So they were shooting them in the format of a of a, a late night show to be shown in San Diego. And so it, it had like this very, very uh, formal and official feel to it. Mm. So now when you watch the video, the, the short six minute clip of the video, it looks very much like the show and like what it was. So it's, it's dope. It's dope. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it didn't happen, though, with the CW, huh? Uh, I think or, maybe it wasn't the CW, whichever one whatever just folded. Network it was. Yeah. Oh. It was the one that just re- oh, like my channel six, whichever one just recently folded. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still going. The Tonight in San Diego is still going. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. I'm actually looking at the Instagram right now, the the gigs. Yeah, the yeah. first couple of things we did was Tonight in San Diego, and then we did Hip Hop versus Punk Rock, which is at, at Tower Bar. Oh, it's like a monthly that series cool. that, oh, uh, nice. that Mr. Henshaw and uh, Stunt Double and those guys run. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was fun. And then we, yeah. It becomes like two, basically like two shows a month for like almost, let's say, 18 months. Mm. And we're just doing show after show. And so it becomes this thing where like the songs are being written in the live format. And so after you do them, you sharpen them with the crowd and the the crowd doesn't like that. So you you shave it back or so you kind of have like these. Or you don't like it. There was a lot of stuff where we were like, nah, I wouldn't. Eh, we need to stretch that out or we need to yeah there was yeah. there was this was definitely not like uh, there's a lot of projects you know where like people get together and write a record and record the record and put it out and the first gig is like the CD release mm. this right, was definitely right. not that like in fact when we started recording we're talking about a recording I said okay but anything we put on this ha- we have to have played live hmm. yes, yeah how when's the when's the release is it like a year a year and a half the to release the first? was actually two years almost to the date from the first gig so there was, wow. you know, 24 months of us doing gigs and sort of like working on this, playing this stuff in different situations and seeing mm-hmm. what worked. Yeah, that definitely takes some confidence and some vulnerability to, to <laughs> kind of work out the songs on stage in front of people. Like, was that like, what was that like? I think it's pretty normal. I think yeah. like I think songs change a lot when you play them live. I was I've been in several projects where we would spend a bunch of time working on new material and then we'd find like a year later that we were playing it way better live because mm. yeah, you actually sure, put in the sure. time and and stuff so um it it definitely does like there's a different thing of like I don't know, this is really weird, but there's this video, I I really don't like this band, but there's a video of Journey playing one of their famous songs, I forget which one it is, but it's like, there's a video of them playing it for the first time, and they nail it. 
it's not like this is like a workshop or anything, you know? Like, they nail it. Hmm. It sounds like what ended up on the record. Um. So it's really interesting, and clearly that's the 70s and it's a different time, but it's interesting to look back on these bands and how you, when you have a band, like, how do you present material? How do you, like, do you spend a bunch of time? Do you, like, work on it and change it over time? Even now we're doing this, like, we've been playing some of these tunes for, like, over two years. And, like, do we change this? Do we do we stop playing them? Mm-hmm. Like, which songs, like, just get kind of pushed out of the set at some point? Right. Those are all, like, interesting questions. I don't really have the answers, but we're kind of trying to figure that out of, like, okay, well, this this makes sense. There was, when we started one of the, we did that video for Ape Food, and then that was part of the set for... Like eight months at least. No, longer than that. It was like <laughs> two years. There was finally a point where we where I said like, yeah, maybe we don't need to play that anymore. Right. And we haven't played it since. No, it's, it's been a minute. It's been out of the set. So there's been a couple tunes where we're just like, okay, well maybe we don't need to. I mean, I thought it, for a long time that was a really nice starting point because that was our starting point, and that was how the set would start. We'd play for, right. every right. set. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was kind of like, I mean, I don't know if people realize, like, oh, yeah, this was the first thing they did together, whatever, you know. But it was like, it kind of set the stage for, like, in multiple different meanings of that word hmm. or that phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to know when to move on from a song because the audience still might be into it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. But yeah, no, I, I think about these bands that have, you know, like one hit wonders and they have to keep playing that song 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Better, you. <laughs> Skilo better do I wish like right that's we came we can for Freebird we came here for yeah. Freebird yeah. Like, yeah 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 I remember seeing Ani DeFranco in the 90s and she was like yeah we were talking about what to play and and everybody starts screaming play this play you know mm-hmm. like everybody mm-hmm. wanted to hear their song and she's like yeah, I kind of moved on from that, <laughs> which I thought was really amazing because, yeah. like, clearly there's people screaming their guts out wanting to hear this one song, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't really, I'm not in that space anymore. I don't play that song anymore." Yeah, sure. Most so, Def said yeah. that too. He was when he was out here. He said, but he was like, he was like, "I'm not a jukebox," and I, I thought that was dope because he's like, a, yeah, like "I'm that. a person," right? He was like, "I'm feeling magical," you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, come with me, and you know, I guess when you play that big that much, like you, you get tired of that. Sure. Yeah. So if if the crowd was asking for that, what was the name of the song? You say you don't play anymore. Ape food. Would they? Would you play it now? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we're not really at that point. Like yeah. I've I've seen like we opened for Black Milk and there were people in the audience like literally going up to him between songs, being like, "Can you play this?" Huh. Like yeah. th- people don't know our material that well. Okay. So yeah, we definitely. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The the forty foot tall seems to get like people seem to know that song. And seven on the Mookie, I was with DJ Rube last night, and he played it. And he was like, "Man, I love this song." Everybody like, loves mm. that song. Dude, so so some of it gets traction, but I think, and this is a weird thing, but I think did like, you tell him that that, that we that, that you I didn't it? want to put it on the yeah, record? Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it. I'm like, yeah, I hated that song. We, we did it, and that's that thing where he was like, "Yo, we're gonna try everything." We're gonna, we're gonna see how it goes. We'll record it, see what it is. We gave it a run and it works. But I, I told him, yeah, I was like, I voted against that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. funny. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's take a break here and listen to one of those tracks from that album that you sent me. Let's uh, let's see, you sent me a couple. Let's yeah, let's take a break and listen to New River.
big boy is to hear me, you hear me? Been at the root of this since Questlove was rocking the Caesar. That Holly Robinson Pete get it from Jump Street. This is at that kiss of death. The girls are gambling cigarettes. Those who none show never guess. Maltese Falcon over Moon. River. Hey. For my cats that watch Criterion, the focus ain't criteria. My Siskels and my Ebert's anywhere that there's a TV on. And 
we're back. That's that's a really cool track. So so tell me about that. I did listen to it before. I'll have you know, even though we didn't listen to it now. <laughs> oh, um, I love the line uh, "digital role models." That's that's cool. Yay! Yeah. Yay! Um, that's one of the original songs we had. Like three songs, maybe four songs that start off as rap songs and Nate got them and he rearranged them, did new compositions to them. And then I think three of them made the record and that's one of them. And it's, uh, what? Oh, I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was, I was trying to think about the, like the whole genesis. I have to say that that song's interesting. Cause I didn't, um, this is going to sound weird, but I didn't take it as seriously. I remember we were, we were working on a couple tunes early on and there was another tune that I thought was was sort of the the focal point of the set, and I remember Parker saying, "No, no, no, that needs to be shorter because the important one is this, this river." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I th- that was kind of interesting, and it's gone through a couple different revisions to like change the not so much the arrangement, just the texture of it to kind of get it. I wanted it to be uh, sort of glass like. There's a certain mm-hmm. kind of like shimmeringness that needs to happen to it. I feel like to make it work. Sure. Yeah. It is bonkers right now. Like, and let me just shamelessly plug it. Mm-hmm. Come watch us do it at uh, Catapult Books in South Park on Sunday. We're going to shoot a, a demo to submit to NPR's Tiny Desk, and oh, cool. we got Sharon Taylor on the cello. And you, by adding by adding that to it, it it does bring this kind of fragility to it. It's it's insane. Hmm. It's yeah. insane the That's way it sounds. An, it's now. an interesting to really. Yeah, we've been doing these sets with Sharon where we're really stripped down. I'm playing these little hand drums and like a little bit of glockenspiel and John's playing acoustic bass and cello and stuff. And there's not, Jack's playing a little bit of samples from a phone, but like there's not the full like, you know, Parker Meridian's kind of this like, bam, like when we play it's loud and it's a little noisy and stuff. So there's like a... An interesting, like, sort of stripped down, you, you really see some of the little subtleties that maybe weren't obvious or something mm, like that. Interesting. So what, what is it like to kind of uh, strip down a song like that? Is that process difficult? <laughs> is, do you basically have to, like, rewrite the arrangement or, like, how, what, what's that like? Not so much. I mean, most of these songs, there's a beat, there's a bass line. There's some sort of um, melodic thing on top. Most of the stuff that that we use is like Fender Rhodes, Wurlitzer kind of sample, like electric piano samples, and nothing nothing too thick. Like sometimes just a little chord or like a, a fairly simple thing, um, and then a, a couple different little sound samples. That's basically if you were to strip down all of our songs, I could you could like break it okay, down into gotcha. those things. Yeah. You know, there's not a, there's no strings on anything. There's no organ. There's not a lot of percussion. So it's really just about figuring out what's the most important thing of each of those. I mean, if you listen to seven on the Mookie on the record, there's like this fake uh, sort of marching band we did Mm, where there's a bunch of drums and that's not when we play it uh, stripped down, that's not there, but it still works without that. Mm -hmm. I think the, one of my goals was that like the, if there's any melodic material, if there's something to be sung or if there's a hook, it's like, it's gotta be really top quality. Like really strong melodic material, really strong hook, where you can like immediately, like latch onto it, you know. Sure. So I think that works, and I think stripping it down really shows if those things really are strong, because mm-hmm. it's like, 
if you strip it down and you're like, yeah, that's not as good as I thought it was because there's all these extra samples, like you realize, like, okay, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. Right. It's just, I, from what I'm hearing and how you talk about your music, it sounds like it's kind of a really fluid process. It's not like this is a song and this is what it is. It's like it's opened up to all these different kinds of interpretations. Sure. It's, yeah. But sure. somehow do you feel like you need to work to kind of maintain the, the essence of the song throughout that? I mean, honestly, I think the essence is Parker. Yeah. So that stays the same. Would you say like, do you, do you change your, like your words at all when you like, when you perform out or, I, or is it, are there any kind of changes that, that happen? Uh, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, I do. And I, I almost think like, I think, uh, Instead of having the album, like the album isn't where people, some people, they listen to the album over and over and they're like, I bought the album here and this is where I played it at. And I don't think we have that. I think we have like these, these live performances. So people, they get the, the shaping of the song live. Like people come and they watch the show like six, six, seven times over like a year and a half. And so they see like the, the changing of the, the songs there. So I kind of feel like that's they're part of it. Like that's the yeah. performance art is instead of the CD or instead of the the band camp, you're getting the live versions of it. Like they used to from Motown or something like. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it doesn't. It's, but I think there are little. I mean, like the the overall flow of the lyrics and the and the sort of content behind it, the the hook, and then maybe if there's some sort of melodic thing like. Um, I mean, like the piano part on River or the the little um, vocal melody on Seven on the Mookie or something like that. Each of those things, those are like, if you really wanted to strip it all the way down, those would be the mm -hmm. things. I think that's what you do, like, when you strip it down. You have to realize, like, okay, what's the most important part? Right. right like, does it need that weird... I can't even admit what the, the marching is. band. Like, <laughs> yeah, does it yeah. need the marching band? Yeah. yeah, it's cool, but it's, like, you can do it without and it still works. There's the a couple, like weird little fm radio samples in the middle mm -hmm. of 40 foot tall that i wouldn't tell you whose band it is because we probably sued <laughs> <laughs> if those things don't happen it's still gonna work out you know mm -hmm. so like you yeah you really make those things like we've been doing these acoustic versions we're doing 40 foot tall and sharon is literally playing the guitar part and um there's a bunch of little um radio samples and she i put mm -hmm. together a part where she can play both of those parts at the thing so it's really interesting oh, cool. to like she's been kind of a, a secret weapon for this we've Ooh. been putting together this acoustic thing just to cover a couple uh performances recently and we were laughing in rehearsal because i was like yeah sorry so this part this tune you're playing the <laughs> piano part <laughs> the next tune you're actually like a, a guitar player and yeah. the, the wow. song after that you're playing all the vocal parts oh wow you know <laughs> like, like she like can like make that all happen cello works in that kind of range where it can cover all those different things very cool so yeah he, he writes in like like you you got a 50 person piece right the skeleton key is 50 people that, that's your other band there there's 50 people on the i don't think there's one tune that has all 50 of them but there were 50 wow. people on the last record yeah so like even even when we have a composition that's written for four i think somewhere in his mind it still has the space for 25 so we can mm -hmm. add all mm -hmm. these other pieces in there those are options they're like these invisible mm -hmm. options so it can spread out or tighten up to fit these different you know different venues and different events i think that's like a 
something else to it. Sure. Yeah. I think you take for granted that you have a mind that can <laughs> understand that. But I don't think all do musicians think. can do that so easily. Yo, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just orchestration. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's that. <laughs> what? I don't think it's it I mean, you know, like if you've got, okay, there's a guitar over there. If you take the, uh, you're playing a guitar part, you can take that and put it on the keyboard. It's going right. to sound totally different. Um, you know, you double that with vibraphone, it's going to sound totally different. You play it on bassoon or whatever, it's going to change mm-hmm. those things. And then by changing all those things, of course, gives you different things of, okay, well, that, you know, you could double it or, or multiply it or harmonize it. There's all sorts of different things. So, yeah, it's an interesting process um, just to figure out what that is. And also, like we were saying, like, keep it simple, like really strip it down. And, okay, it doesn't need all these keyboard parts. I don't need to layer in 20 guitar parts. Sure, sure. Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, good deal. Okay, so on that note, let's take a break and listen to another one of the tracks you sent me. What was it called? I wrote it down. Oh, Long Distance Runner. Oh, shit. (laughs) Good deal. All right, let's take a quick break. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm in the laundry room trying to figure out the security system. I can't. Well, I can't talk right now, though. Right. Why'd you call then? Because you told me to call you. When? Look, before I left, I'll call you back. I'll call you back.
Okay, we're back. <laughs> and we're back. Like <laughs> Fast version. <laughs> so yeah, tell me about that one. Long distance runner was. Yeah. That's the first hook, hook that we wrote together. I, I sent him half the hook and I said, finish this like via text. And I sent him long distance runner and he wrote, run, rabbit, run. That's what it was. <laughs> nice. Yay. Yay. Did you, you, did you already have the instruments already in there? I had, I, did, I didn't, I, I wrote the bass line. I just had the hook, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And then once you wrote it back, it made sense, and I put the bass line to it. We brought it to rehearsal and started playing it. And then um, and then Jack started doing this, like, kind of half song that, Ohio to Tokyo, I'm lost yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I realized, like, okay, so when we did, we did a demo of it, and I took that, and those vocals, the high vocals that sound like a female are actually him pitch-shifted oh, off really? an octave and auto-tuned. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. you hear all these things that are like, um, so we kind of, we worked on it for a while. I'm not sure how we got to that slower. I think I, I heard it when we were, we, we, we did it a couple times, like around the, the place. And I was like, yo, if we did, I, I think I saw somebody who slowed it down, like on some trap stuff. Or maybe yeah. we were talking about trap, you know what I mean? And I, mm. it was the influence of trap music though, mm. and being like, yo, if this was a trap groove right here, it'd be crazy. Yeah. And then we got that in there. That's one of the interesting ones because, like, it's very rare in hip hop where you have a tempo shift. Yeah. Like forty foot tall, we go from like uh, the the tempo to halftime, which is fairly normal. You have that happen a lot, especially in in trap music or in like yeah. dubstep or things like that, where you'll just flip it up or it'll double. But to actually have like a like a completely different tempo that's you know fifteen, ten, twenty clicks away was kind of interesting because we were talking about I think we did try it in halftime the end yeah and we realized like oh it doesn't work we should just slow it down a bit because uh, it, it kind of gets immediately into that mm. head nodding thing so yeah it's an interesting track it's kind of the um we there's a few of them that kind of have this fairly intense forward motion i think that's yeah. kind of what the especially live there's a certain thing that the bands become known for and that's some of that 40 foot tall long distance runner thing like that mm, yeah so do you think it does trap have an influence in any of your other songs or is it do you feel like just this one no mm. <laughs> no it's in there yeah yeah it's in there there's there's some trap in, in a firewall there's there's a verse where we're hitting kind of a, a cadence of the Sitting center stage like a cinephobe, my style is cold like a ceiling fan. And that's, you know, kind of the, the chop that you catch in trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long I, distance. I honestly I I I don't really listen to much trap. And I I my whole thing I like I grew up in the like late eighties, nineties, so I came from like Public Enemy and Trap Gold Quest and Poor Righteous Teachers and things like that. And then in the like mid 90s with like goody mob and so when i hear trap i just hear like dirty south like early dirty south like three six mafia and goody mob and things like that so the the whole like in terms of production not so much in terms of flow but like in terms of production of the like crazy 30 second note hi-hats hats and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. hasn't been a huge influence i've actually been listening to it more because we've been kind of hinting at it and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. shit i need to figure out what the fuck i'm doing (laughs) because i'm like "Uh, I don't listen to that shit enough. Um, but there is kind of that like slower tempo. This is totally drummer stuff. 16th oh, notes with like double time hi-hat stuff. A lot of that stuff comes out of that like late 90s. 
So when I play, like for me that uh, that's where I'm coming from, and then I've been trying to figure out like, okay, what else? What what are these other? You know, what happened when Ti or whoever took it and like yeah. did something with it? Mm-hmm. What are those sounds? And part of it is like that's the the organic side of it is like we because we were in Mexicali, we were doing a show and we were playing Three Six Mafia for like. I don't know, like six hours. Like you're just, just, <laughs> but not even listening to all of it. Just, it's just playing in the background. So it kind of, right. kind of getting the in the in the movement of it. And like, there's, I think there's there's groups where you don't have that type of leeway where people don't say, okay, we'll just try it in in halftime and see if it works. And then when it does, you know, you keep moving in that direction. So it's it's real organic. Like whatever we're naturally talking about in real life kind of makes its way into, like, into the art. Right, so you're not like necessarily intentionally being like. We need to write like, a trap song. Exactly. Right. Where's like the drop? Have, exactly. We need a drop for this one. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, there's none of. I yeah. I think personally, I I. This goes beyond this conversation, but I I don't really like the idea of genre at all. Mm. So like right. when you, when people say like <laughs> yeah. oh I'm into trap or I'm into trance, I I remember having this conversation with this guy many years ago, and he said I just listen to trance music. He's like oh, okay that's, <laughs> that's, that's really interesting okay. So but when you put those things on it, like I I see um, I mean there's a, a long history of hip hop and it's been through different stylistic changes, and I don't see any reason why we can't reference a lot of those. Without mm. being specifically one thing. I mean, we're definitely not a trap band. I don't think we're like, whatever term you want to put on that, I don't <laughs> think we're any of those. We're not a backpacker nah, band. We're not like a nah. this. We're not that. We're not a gang, like gangster mm-hmm. rap. You know, we're yeah. not like whatever whatever phrase it is that people use. Yeah. It's everything. Like that's even to, to like, like you check out New River and there's, there's these references of like TV. So it's like we're, we're pulling from TV. We're pulling from from movie culture. We're pulling from, you know, like Primus bass lines from Trap. Like it's, there isn't a, an off limit. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I yeah. mean, organs and twinkly synthesizers and tambourines. Those Eight. are the limits. Those are the no tambourines. No, no tambourines. <laughs> no tambourines. <laughs> tambourine free band. I do kind of. I we do have. I guess we do have a couple of, few of things that I try and stay away from. Could we do? Could we call this no tambourines? This episode <laughs> no tambourines. That should be with this. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got against tambourines? No tambourines Fun. are good. No, ta- I, no. Actually, we we have been doing. We've been doing a, a version of uh, "Looking Out the Front Door" by Main Main Source. Yeah. And there's a that we have a ton of tambourine on that track. So no, we don't. We don't have no tambourine <laughs> on that song. But originally, no. that was one of the. I for I when I when I do a project, I like to to the term parameters is maybe overused, but like to have certain <laughs> ideas of like just to set up a general kind of like playing field. Sure. So like, okay, uh, you know, and and give it a little bit of an identity. If you listen to the record, like the drum sounds change a little bit. um, But in general, like if it's a keyboard sound, it's pretty much all like I was saying, Fender Rhodes or Wurlitzer sounds. There's a little bit of synthesizer, but it's very subtle. The bass all all has a very similar sound. So I wanted it to to be um, cohesive in that sense. But there's things that match up where it doesn't sound like a different producer did each track. Mm. That makes sense, especially if you're pulling from so many different genres to have something <coughs> that kind of 
holds it all together. Right? Yeah. yeah, and little subtle things can do that. Like just you know having a list of like, okay, here's the things that that uh, do work, and then here's the things we're gonna kind of stay away from. Yeah. Maybe we can hint at. Yeah, there is a little bit of tambourine, but <laughs> there's no tambourine. In <laughs> Not gonna admit to it. <laughs> so uh, switching gears a little bit, I'm curious what your opinion is of of the hip hop scene in San Diego generally cuz i i'm really not in that scene so I, I don't know what it's like what what is it like you just had mc flow on here that's true yeah, yeah no yeah. she's great yeah. yeah yeah you're tapping in you're tapping in <laughs> i'm trying it's it's uh because because the the labels are are gone you know there's there's not a lot of labels it's the wild west out there and like Every, every artist has a shot. So I think San Diego rap is super, super open and collaborate. And the creative energy is real strong. It's one of the best seasons I've I've seen in a long time for the, the music. Yeah. Yeah, right now I think there's a lot of interesting stuff. I think if you are an outsider and you're looking at it, there's a lot of different ways to get into it. And there's a lot of people doing very different stuff. You know, you've got like... Big June and you've got MC Flow. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about like very yeah. different people. And you've got Orko and you've got Mitchie Slick and you've got, there's a ton of people doing really interesting work that's very varied. So there's a, a ton of interesting things. It is true. There's a lot of, I think in general, people write off local music. Mm. Like people want to listen to stuff that's on the radio or they, they listen to stuff that's maybe presented to them in an easy way. And they're sure, not really like yeah. going out and and of course there's always this like well he's from the same town I'm from how can he be any good you know like that's true in general of whatever sure. you're talking about rock rap mm-hmm. jazz whatever so I think there's a lot of really good stuff happening yeah. yeah so it sounds like it's a supportive community though so that's always good to hear yeah it's, I think it's more so this is, this is probably the most it's ever been like in mm-hmm. the past it was but it's becoming more progressive I mean everyone's pulling from these different elements like there there are these different artists that are becoming uh they they exhibit more musicality like leon saint heron or real jay wallace are, are being more musical and then even like gangster rap not gangster rap but you get like the harder stuff like rob stone there's still like a musicality to that that uh that chill bill record that he mm. had um which went platinum which mm. is a, a single that went platinum like last year so like nice you know, it runs the gamut. B-side players in 3D is kind of like Latin, but still with the musicality, but, you know, on, on a world music level, it, it, it has a lot of more influences there. So, like, there's a lot of, lot of collabos, a lot of, lot of good creative stuff. Mm, nice. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you guys gone on any tours or taken this uh, anywhere else? We went to Mexicali once. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's um, the scene like there? Uh, it's actually, there's an interesting little scene there. Um, it was actually supposed to be part of a larger thing, and then uh, a few other things fell through, so we ended up just going out there for a gig. That's actually like something we're working on right now, is getting out. We've mostly been focusing on playing in San Diego and just kind of like building up material and stuff. So I think that one of the steps in the next year is like sort of build that. Not, I mean, clearly we're not going to go to Europe for six months or something, but we're like trying to build a, a you know, a, sort of just like, a, you know, boundaries. Yeah. And pushing our boundaries. Mm. How do we get to San Francisco? How do we get to LA? How do we get mm-hmm. to Las yeah. Vegas? How do we get to Phoenix, Tucson, Ensenada, TJ? Sure. Just expand yeah. from there. Yeah. 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 Good deal. 
Yeah, how do you feel like, I don't know if you've spent time in L.A., I feel like the San Diego scene gets compared a lot to L.A. Yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah. We're still kind of like the like the little stepbrother. Right. <laughs> I think that it seems like the, the people that have done the best have just... Uh, no offense to LA, but have just ignored LA. <laughs> right. Sure. Not in the way of yeah. like not playing there, but like, like I think we there's very different music down here than there is LA. There's always been this like, oh, you got to go to LA to make it, or you mm-hmm. know, like people from LA will come down here and talk like they're slumming by playing in San Diego or something. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. I think there's very different. Like the music in San Diego doesn't sound like the music in LA. Yeah. I think it sounds very different, and I think that's uh, that's a good thing to have, like a San Diego identity, whether we're talking about folk music or hip-hop or anything. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's having a smaller city also promotes having a tighter community and more collaboration. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So do you guys have any shows coming up? We have a... Hell of a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys stay busy. That's great. Um, yeah, we're doing Sunday at... Wait, wait. You play Friday, though. Well, that's not well, us, though. So you're going to say, you gotta say the dates because it's not going to be okay. aired right away. May, May 20th, <laughs> we're doing the book Catapult. We're doing a 1 p.m. We're doing an acoustic set that we're videotaping and recording. Nice. And then... So we, you're going to like post that to YouTube or... Yeah, that's the plan. Or? And then we're doing, I'm sorry, I'm looking through all these dates. Um, I'm going to Arizona. That's not us. Um, <laughs> we're playing Winston's for ALO's series. What is that? Hip Hop Social? I believe so. June, June that's 7th. June 7th. And then. Um, With Cause and Emphasize, by the way. Shout out them. We're playing. Oh, yeah. cool. I didn't see that. What, who's on the bill yet? I just heard that today. Um and then we are playing with the Basics for their CD release, and that's going to be uh, June 16th. And that's down in Imperial Beach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. They and, just got nominated for an SDMA this year and last year. And then we're also doing June 21st at the Casbah for the Art Unites, yeah. which is a, a cool thing where um, they put on a, a situation where there's bands and there's also artists and different things like that. Nice. I think that's it for oh, that's great. The next you guys stay busy. So. Do you like to keep it that way? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. I think it's always good to play. Yeah. So if, I, if people want to find your music or find you guys, where, where can they find you? Just Google. You can Google Parker Meridian. It's on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. Um, yeah. It's everywhere. Bandcamp. Go buy a CD. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for coming by the studio. I really Thank appreciate you. it. That was fun. Thank you. And, and shout out uh, John Reeder. He couldn't be here tonight, but he's, oh, the, yeah. he's the coolest cat out of us. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Sunshine Sound Podcast. If you like what you heard, you can check out older episodes at sunshinesoundcenter.org. Feel free to give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you find your help with our visibility you can also uh, check out our social media pages facebook instagram and twitter for updates on sunshine sound center and we also post updates of all the shows and music and other stuff that uh, all the artists that come on this show are doing and if you are an artist who's been on this show definitely feel free to keep us in the loop and we are happy to promote you so if you have any other questions for me or you have any guests to suggest, you can contact
catch me at Christine with the C at sunshinesoundcenter.org. And one more thank you to Tommy Bobcat for always helping out with all the audio engineering. Really appreciate it. That's all I have for you today, but I'll talk to you again soon. Have a good one.